0: Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. It did not seem possible for the Steele dossier, the collection of Trump Russia conspiracy theories funded by the Clinton campaign, hyped by the U.S. media and relied on by the FBI to get more embarrassing for all those involved. But the latest indictment from special counsel John Durham has done just that. Steele's key source, a U.S.-based Russian expat named Igor Denchenko, is now accused of lying to the FBI. And the details add new humiliation for those who promoted Steele as credible and raise new questions about the FBI's handling of the Trump-Russia probe. Joining me is Barry Meyer. He's a veteran Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. His latest book includes extensive reporting on the Steele dossier. It's called Spooked, The Trump Dossier black cube and the rise of private spies barry thank you for joining me
1: sure thing aaron thanks for having me
0: so we knew before from inspector general michael horowitz uh in a december 2019 report that danchenko had admitted to the fbi that he was Steele's main source and that corroboration for his claims was zero uh, in his words zero Uh, but now we get a whole new series of details including that durham is accusing him of lying to the FBI and misleading them about his interactions with people who he used as subsources. What to you stands out from this indictment? And what do you think it how do you think it advances the story about what we already knew about just how discredited the Steele dossier was?
1: Well, the the two things that strike me, uh, first and foremost, is that it kind of exposes kind of the whole shoddy nature of private spying. I mean, sort of was the subject of my book and, and how, you know, yes, there are many legitimate corporate investigators and they, some of them produce very fine work, but you know, this is an industry that basically thrives by selling smoke to its clients. And, you know, the, the quality of their work never becomes really evident. Until it becomes public, and that very rarely happens because you know a company or a lawyer hires a private investigator to go do a job, they give them a report, and it never sees the light of day. Here you have a rare instance where such a report did see the light of day. So you know number one, you see basically the kind of stuff that's sold to clients, often the kind of stuff that the client no doubt wants to hear. And then you kind of burrow down and start to see, you know, the types of individuals that act as, you know, the gatherers or collectors of this information. Uh, And, you know, a lot of them are folks that have, you know, failed at other professions, kind of are, are desperate for work. And through one way, one form or another, they find their way into working for these types of firms. And then they turn around. And, and tell the people who hired them what they want to hear. So essentially it's this, you know, this sort of conflagration of information that starts from the beginning and then just gets pumped up and distorted further as it goes along. And, and that seems to be what, it, what happened here with, with the dossier.
0: And in terms of the indictment itself, there are basically two subsources whom Danchenko is accused of lying about. And again, it's confusing so just to stress for people that Danchenko was Christopher Steele's main source. Steele claimed to have access to a whole network of high level Russian sources. But basically, his main guy was Igor Danchenko, who lives in Washington. And instead of having deep ties to the Kremlin, he actually has deep ties to the Beltway. He was previously working at a liberal uh, Clinton tied think tank called uh, the Brookings Institution. and what comes out in this indictment is that uh, the durham is accusing danchenko of lying to the fbi about his interactions with two people one of them is uh, a guy named charles dolan who is a longtime democratic operative also with ties to the clinton uh, family and uh sergey uh, uh, sergey milian who is not russian he's belarusian but he was the former head of a russian-american business association so let's start with dolan because you know it turns out from the Durham indictment that the most explosive allegation in the Steele dossier, the one that caused the most attention, which was the P-tape, actually comes. It looks like from some benign information that Dolan got on a trip to Russia, and then passed on to Danchenko, which then Danchenko and or Steele embellished to add the whole P-tape thing. This this allegation that Trump cavorted with prostitutes in a Moscow Ritz Carlton hotel room.
1: Well, the way it's spelled out in the indictment is that um, so Dolan is a guy, he's been a PR guy, had a lot of Russian clients, did a lot of business in Russia. So he goes over there in mid 2016 to kind of lay the, um, the groundwork for uh, uh, some kind of business conference that is going to take place subsequently. And he's already made contact with Danchenko. They've gotten to know each other. Danchenko has hooked him up with Stif- Christopher Steele by email and um uh they give him a tour he's staying at the Ritz Carlton they give him the the manager of the Ritz Carlton gives him a tour he meets staff there they show him the presidential suite so subsequently a few days later he meets with, meets with Igor Danchenko at uh in red square they take a selfie of each other or Danchenko takes a selfie of Dolan and then uh uh Danchenko flies back to London and meets with Christopher Steele. Now we don't. It, there's nothing in the indictment to suggest that Dolan knew what Christopher Steele was doing, or even what Danchenko was doing, but there's the suggestion in the indictment that 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 Dolan told Danchenko about his tour of of the Ritz Carlton, and that somehow, along with other information, that. Uh, Danchenko may or may not have collected gets, you know, transformed into the, uh, the setting for the P-tape. I mean, in terms of uh, Dolan himself, I mean, I think, you know, my takeaway from Dolan is that, you know, he is, you know, testimony to, to the nature of Washington DC and, 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 you know, the fact that people there will make money working, both sides of the story or either side of the story, if there's money to be made and then we'll flip around and, and work on the other side is, as your, your listeners may or may not be aware, Dolan along with uh, working, you know, having a relationship with, uh, with Igor Danchenko also subsequently did PR for a um, Russian owned internet company that became uh, the subject of one of Christopher Steele's memos and was accused in that memo of you know a, a role in uh, spreading you know Russian disinformation uh, to uh, on the internet in the United States uh, to me the the much more fascinating and and uh, important story for the news media and the news media's coverage of the whole dossier story involves Sergey Million, who, as you mentioned, was a uh, Belarusian-born real estate broker who attracted the interest both of Christopher Steele and of Glenn Simpson, one of the former Wall Street Journal reporters who started uh, Fusion GPS, the firm that hired Steele and promoted the dossier to reporters on behalf of the Clinton campaign. I mean, because uh, Million was shortly after the election identified in numerous stories in major publications, including uh, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Guardian uh, on ABC News and any number of other news outlets as a key source of information for the dossier and as a source of specific allegations in the dossier. And now, according to Durham's indictment, it turns out that Igor Janchenko apparently never, ever spoke to Sergey Million.
0: Yes. And that revelation about, uh, Sergey Millian has prompted for the first time that I can recall a major media organization um, voicing some need for accountability in its own pages. The Washington Post wrote that the uh, contents of the latest Durham indictment of Danchenko, quote, cast new uncertainty on some past reporting on the dossier by news organizations, including The Washington Post. The first time I've seen uh, such a outlet of of that level, acknowledge that there were some serious uh, falsehoods published and and that um, more and that some scrutiny has to happen now, which is, um, I think pretty significant. And it's interesting. I think people will be tempted to read the Danchenko indictment and see the fact that you have this like key Clinton world figure, Charles Dolan, who you know, was appointed to a State Department board by Bill Clinton, was a volunteer and advisor for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaigns. And they might think that Dolan was a part of a basically conspiracy at that point. By the clinton world to feed allegations into the steel dossier it doesn't strike me as that it just strikes me as basically a funny coincidence that the clinton campaign um, on top of funding the steel dossier also happened to have people feeding information into it in dolan's case unwittingly while we were presented with with this notion that steel was tapping into this high-level network of russian and Kremlin sources, and then you have on top of the fact that one of these other key sources, Sergey Milian, who's not even Russian, is Belarusian. According to Milian, according to Durham, Danchenko and Milian never even spoke, and so Danchenko is accused of lying about that. Um, let me ask you to go back and talk about how Fusion GPS started working on this Trump Russia dossier to begin with. Uh, take us back to the spring of 2016, where uh, Glenn Simpson and his partner hire Christopher Steele.
1: Yes. And let me go back just a a notch further than that and and go back to 2015 when uh, the Republican presidential primary is underway and uh, Fusion GPS are hired through the Washington Free Beacon uh, Foundation to start basically conducting opposition research on behalf of uh, against Donald Trump. And essentially, uh, the Washington Free Beacon Foundation, uh, one of its major funders is uh, Paul Singer, who operates one of these uh, very aggressive so-called vulture funds. And And Fusion GPS um, had done investigative work for Paul Singer in the past. So, you know, so people at the Washington Beacon Foundation were aware, certainly, of who Fusion GPS was. So for, you know... Uh, the first, uh, let's say, nine months or almost 10 months of this, they're basically working on behalf of the Washington Free Beacon Association, trying to generate negative stories uh, in the media about Trump. Uh, because uh, a Paul, when Paul, Sing, Paul Singer was backing Marco Rubio in the uh, Republican presidential primary. But as you know, Rubio fades and, and Ted Cruz fades and Trump remarkably becomes the presidential nominee of the Republican Party, Um, you know, the people who have been opposing him, like Paul Singer, you know, jump on the Trump train. And so Fusion GPS doesn't have a sponsor anymore. They're sort of out of luck. And um, they then approach uh, the law firm that represents the Hillary Clinton campaign in the spring, approximately in, in April of, of 2016 and, uh, meet with Mark Elias, who is the lawyer there, uh, working on that account on the Clinton campaign account and say to him, essentially, Hey, um, we've gathered all this stuff about, uh, about Donald Trump, you know we've dug into every aspect of his domestic operations, all his business problems, you know, and it was like you know legend all of trump's screw ups and lawsuits and you know various types of cons that that had sort of followed his career and uh but you know we really haven't looked at Russia, and you know this could be a very uh rich arena, particularly because Hillary Clinton has, obviously, when she was Secretary of State under Barack Obama, took a very tough stance against Vladimir Putin. And, you know, this could be a campaign issue uh, when Clinton and Trump square off. So, Elias oh, this is great. Uh, But, you know, while Glenn knew a lot, Glenn Simpson knew a lot, sort of, I had read a lot about Russia, had followed stories about Russian organized crimes and and lobbying and things of that nature. He didn't really have any sources in Russia. So in 2010, right around the time that Glenn was forming Fusion GPS with Peter Fritsch, that's really the same period of time when Christopher Steele was leaving MI6 and forming his own private investigative firm in London called Orbis Business Intelligence with another uh, MI6 agent. Uh, so uh, Simpson and Steele had sort of met each other. They'd been introduced by another, by uh, an intermediary. They had basically funneled each other work uh, occasionally over time. And so he thought, wow, I know this guy. He was an MI6 agent. He did some time in Russia. He knows the Russian world. Um, And uh, so he reached out to Christopher Steele to basically gather information in Russia about potential ties between Trump, members of his campaign and the Kremlin.
0: And. In the media accounts and the efforts to portray Steele as credible, there was a lot of made about his previous contributions to the FBI uh, when it comes to Russia related investigations, including uh, bribery with FIFA. Did Steele play as significant a role as his media cheerleaders made it out to be?
1: I, I personally did not find that that he did play that significant role. Uh, if, I think the best way or one way, it's not necessarily the best, but certainly one way to look at Steele was as a broker. You know, he wasn't like the active agent uh, that like went out and dug up the information and then brought it back. What he did was he brought people to the attention of the FBI Uh who had dug up the information. So in, in, case, in the case of FIFA, uh, there was a, uh, a Scottish reporter who had sort of broken the FIFA story. And, um, and so Christopher Steele sort of hooked him up with the FBI and he was the one that provided the FBI with the critical information. The same thing being the case with Christopher Steele's dealings with Russian oligarchs. Uh, you know, he was he acted as an interface between Russian oligarchs who were looking to trade information with the FBI for favors that the FBI could do for them. So in terms of, in, you know, like investigative bones, um, you know, I think that aspect of his reputation was substantially overblown uh, nonetheless. So because he acted more or less in this sort of middleman fixer kind of capacity.
0: And you mentioned uh, Steele's relationship with Russian oligarchs. And this raises another, I think, hilarious irony about the Steele dossier and the Clinton campaign's funding of it and just brushing it overall, which is that for all the talk about Trump's ties to Russia, this like nonstop effort to find anything that could connect Trump to Russia. And in my opinion, there was just nothing there or very little there. Meanwhile, you have a Clinton world that is deeply tied to Russia. I mean, Bill Clinton himself has paid half a million dollars to give a speech to a major Russian bank at a time when that bank was challenging the Magnitsky uh, sanctions. Um, Christopher Steele, uh, as you mentioned, uh, he worked for Oleg Deripaska, who then later on became a a central character in the Russiagate fiction, that he was somehow involved in the Russian interference campaign on behalf of uh, Putin. And Charles Dolan, as we talked about earlier, uh, the the Steele dossier source and veteran Clinton campaign or veteran Clinton uh, world figure, uh, he was working for the Russian government. Han- his PR firm is handling global communications for them. So you have, you know, for all, for all the uh, weight that was put into how terrible it is to have Russia connections, I think a far deeper tie between Clinton and Russia uh, than you do between Trump and Russia. But let me ask you to talk about the Oleg Deripaska part of this, because it gets overlooked, but it's just a fact now that Steele was working for Oleg Deripaska, who, according to the, Trump Ru- the Trump-Russia conspiracy theories, was a major figure in this Russian interference campaign.
1: Sure, uh, let me just throw in my two cents though, just sort of reflecting on what you said. You know, I, my view is that that Russia did try uh, to interfere with the U.S. election. Uh, I don't know uh, to what degree, if any, it succeeded. It's also my view that Trump and his allies welcome that interference. You know, they 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 urged Russia to, you know, go out and find Uh, Hillary's emails, you know, they say, oh, well, he was just kidding about that. I think that's bullshit. Um, However, that doesn't in any way uh, affect uh, what Steele was saying or Steele was doing, or as you point out, Steele's relationship with someone like Oleg Deripaska. Uh, Look, um, you can be concerned, and I think one is right to be rightfully concerned, about Russian interference. I mean, who the fuck wants Russia to interfere with our electoral process? You know, no country wants an outside government to interfere with their electoral process. And certainly the United States has been accused of interfering on a kind of regular basis with the electoral process of many countries. Uh, But, you know, at the same time, you can, you know, hold yourself out as someone like Christopher Steele did, and like Glenn and Peter did, as you know, standing up against the potential for um, Russian interference, and you know, still be taking money from these guys. And that's where I see the sort of you know, moral issue and moral dilemma, um, and, and the double standard, if you will. Uh, because you know, not only did Christopher Steele like work as a corporate investigator, for Oleg Deripaska's lawyer on cases, uh, he actually acted as essentially an unregistered lobbyist for Oleg Deripaska when he tried to convince uh, Bruce Orr to get a message through to the State Department, uh, Bruce Orr of Justice Department official, to get a message through the State Department not to be too hard on, on Oleg Deripaska and that he was a good guy and he was on our side and blah, blah, blah. And to me, you know, like here you have an individual, Oleg Deripaska, who uh, has been on the U.S.'s bad books uh, for a decade or more, Is it kind of basically on the shit list where he's not allowed to enter the United States. And you have Christopher Steele sort of acting as his paid water carrier. So, you know, uh, I found that I found that, you know, kind of stunning that, you know, and, and sort of sobering that, you know, when you strip away all the politics from this and, and all the the high minded language from this, it basically just boils down to money and these guys are in the business of making money and when you're in a business like the corporate investigations business as i write about in the book um you make money wherever you can make it.
0: okay so on the question of russian interference it's not i don't mean we don't need to explore that in depth um you might know that i'm i'm skeptical of the, i do uh, yes. of that claim i a. do and i'll I just do. say quickly just lay out my stance what's confirmed to me without a doubt is that a russian troll farm the ira put up some juvenile ads on social media and memes that nobody saw. I don't think you can conclude from that that that's part of a Russian interference in the election effort, because if it is, it's a pretty dumb effort. The Most of the ads aren't even about the election, and they're silly. I mean, it looks to me like a standard clickbait operation. But that part of it is confirmed. It did happen. In terms of the allegation that Russia stole the emails, the more evidence that's come out about that, I um, I doubt it especially given now that we know that the allegation was generated by another Clinton campaign contractor. And all this happened within the same time period, just as Perkins Coie, the Clinton campaign law firm, hired Fusion GPS, and and then that produced a Steele dossier. Uh, Perkins Coie's Michael Sussman also hired CrowdStrike, and that CrowdStrike very quickly came up with the allegation that Russia hacked the DNC. And I think there's so many coincidences and there's so much... Uh, That has come out including CrowdStrike admitting that they had no evidence that these alleged Russian hackers Actually took anything from the DNC server that it just it raises the question for me Even without going into all the evidence and and the case for and against given the preponderance of scams and Deceit that went into the Trump Russia narrative. It just raises the question to me like well So if there's so much deceit already Then what are the odds that this one allegation is not deceit also? So that's that's how I approach it and I and I hope the Durham investigation will, will provide us with more answers, and I hope that the evidence will come out so we can see for ourselves what did the intelligence community use to make this allegation that Russia waged this sweeping interference campaign? Because, as I see it, that that evidence has not come out yet. If you want to respond to that, I, I'll give yeah, you I, I'd be happy to. Too.
1: I mean, like, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not um, going to debate how you feel about it. You're entitled to feel about it. I, I, as you feel about it and as you um, expressed it. Um, My view is that I'm just gonna wait to see what comes out. Fair enough. And make my, you know, decisions based uh, on that. I mean, it's very tempting in, in all these cases to see something and then assume there's a connection between A and B, and then A, B, and we and there's a connection between C. But in some ways, um, and I'm not referring specifically at all to, to what you said right now, that's the trap that the media fell into in reporting about the dossier and in reporting about, you know, the Alpha Bank pinging story, uh, you know, I think as journalists, we have a scrutiny, you know, we have sort of like a uh, duty to scrutinize uh, the things we believe or want to believe with the same standard that we sort of naturally scrutinize the things that we don't believe. Because if we fail to do that, we then somehow can become you know, uh, victims of our beliefs and look over things or assume things that that we really haven't fully scrutinized yet.
0: Fair enough. I agree with the principle, and I just think it applies both ways. In my opinion, the evidentiary burden has not been met yet to declare that there, as US intelligence officials said, that there was a sweeping Russian interference campaign. And to me, the evidence so far undermines it, but I agree. I uh, I, th- I I think uh, more evidence should come out and I, and I hope we get it. Ch- I hope the Durham uh, investigation gives us a chance to see the evidence um, on the issue of Christopher Steele. You were recently featured in an ABC News documentary in which Steele spoke for the basically for the first time.
2: Give me a declarative sentence. Christopher Steele is. A patriot. Um, somebody who has professional integrity and expertise and somebody who is a true friend and ally of the United States. But when you bring the information to the FBI in 2016, reacting as a patriot or a paid private intelligence officer? As a patriot. And to those who say otherwise? I'd like to see what proof they've got.
0: And I'm curious your thoughts on him, including um, psychologically, like what you think of him. He talked about how Vladimir Putin wants to kill him. He said that Igor Danchenko was scared and that's why he said <laughs> that uh, that uh, that his sourcing was, was very, very thin. He, he suggested that Igor Danchenko got intimidated. And he stood by the work he did on the dossier and said that he thinks the P-tape probably still exists.
2: And today, do you still believe that that tape exists? I think it probably does, but I wouldn't put 100% certainty on it. So you stand by the dossier? I stand by the work we did, the sources that we had, and the professionalism which
0: we applied to it. After watching Steele, I'm just curious your thoughts on him.
1: Uh, Well, I only, to be frank, I only saw like highlights of it. I couldn't invest the time to watch the whole thing. But um, you were a major
0: part of it because you were the only voice of reason in it. You were the one. I know, and
1: I found that sort of disappointing. You know, I was <laughs> under the impression that there were going to be other people on the show that were commenting on it, you know, favorably, skeptically, whatever the case uh, might be. And, um, you know, I think Christopher Steele, you know, is, is Christopher Steele at this juncture at this junction cannot accept what is pretty clear and obvious to many people. And that is the evidence that he suggested exists to support the allegations in the dossier either haven't emerged yet or have been shown to be false. And and so, you know, I guess, you know, what is someone like him who staked his reputation on being, you know, a so-called professional intelligence gatherer supposed to do, you know, stand up and say, you know what, you're right, my work was crap, or they, you know, kind of double down on it. And, uh, you know, there are always, you know, I've encountered people throughout my reporting career, including other journalists who will never admit that they've made a mistake right i mean to me making a mistake even like spelling someone's name wrong and like i would beat myself up you know when i made an error like that in the story uh but there are other people who make like huge errors that come out publicly and it sort of like bounces off of them it's not their fault it's didn't happen to them. It was somebody else's fault. And they have these like incredibly, you know, tough carapaces that just everything bounces off of. And I think Christopher Steele is like that type is that kind of person. It might be a reflection of his spy world training. It might be a reflection of his personality, but I don't think the day will ever arrive when Christopher Steele will go, hmm, you know, I didn't do such a great job. Or, "Mm, yeah, I said I was really a a great professional. I relied on rock-solid sources. But now it turns out that my own key uh, informant lied to me and made stuff up. And, you know, he'll always find find ways to, I'm sure, diminish it, uh, try to sweep stuff, you know, under the rug. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that this indictment of Igor Danchenko is the worst possible advertising for both Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS, and to some degree for for those people in the news media is that embrace the dossier.
0: Well, speaking of which, so if you didn't watch the full ABC News special on Christopher <laughs> Steele, you might have missed how they ended. So after they have you, you know, showing no. that the Steele dossier was basically fiction, they they give sort of a last word to an ABC News producer named. Matthew Mosk, and he oh, basically, yeah, yeah, and he says, now looking back on it, there are people who will say Christopher Steele's dossier has been debunked, and there are other right. people who will say it's mostly held up. Maybe it's somewhere in between. Unquote. And I see that sort of approach still prevailing, not just with Christopher Steele, but you know uh, across the media. There still seems this unwillingness to acknowledge that people got played. I mean, Rachel Maddow was a dogged promoter of the Steele dossier, did a whole Mm -hmm. special on how great it Mm -hmm. was. Uh, Mm -hmm. Adam Schiff, uh, who basically led the Trump-Russia charge for the Democrats, he read parts of the Steele dossier into the congressional
2: record. Carter Page, back from Moscow, also attends the convention. According to Steele, it was Manafort who chose Page to serve as a go-between for the Trump campaign and Russian interests.
0: Uh, He, of course, claimed that he himself had seen Uh, more than circumstantial
2: evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. All you have right now is a circumstantial case. Uh, Actually, no, Chuck. Uh, I I can tell you that the case is more than that. Uh, And I can't go into the particulars, but there is more than circumstantial evidence now. So, um, again, I think... So you have seen direct evidence of collusion? uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial.
0: And recently, he was questioned about the Steele dossier on The View.
3: So I want to ask you about Good something luck. that's in the news a lot right now. Um, you've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee and you've defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and We know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people?
2: Well, first of all, uh, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted, Mm -hmm. uh, and they are. Uh, And unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, If people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, But at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. And let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving Internal polling data, campaign polling data, to Russian intelligence, while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign. And to be clear,
3: he was fired halfway through the campaign.
2: Well, he may have been fired, yeah. But the the effort to get Russian help continued, and even beyond the effort to get Russian help. But you the made president also spread Russian disinformation
3: yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel committee chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this.
2: Well, I, I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, It's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. Mm -hmm. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is Mm -hmm. impossible, of course, to do. But but let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia to help him in the election, which they did, for trying to coerce Ukraine into helping him in the next election, Mm. which he did. Uh, into inciting an uh, insurrection, which he did. Um, None of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is in any way diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele.
3: No, I think just your credibility is.
2: Uh, By
0: a former Trump administration official, not by a journalist, because he's not getting questioned by journalists really elsewhere about his promotion of the Steele dossier. And he basically, I think, had a very um, evasive answer. Uh, As we wrap, Barry, I'm just wondering your thoughts on the lack of accountability for the promotion of steel uh not just by steel himself but in the uh, u.s media and even members of congress
1: well you know my uh you know as a written as a written spooked and and uh feel very strongly is that um you know, that, 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 there's, that there are serious... I'm a great believer in journalism. I love journalism. I spent my career as a journalist. But I believe that there are, that there are significant... There's a significant, significant danger for journalism when reporters allow private operatives and spies for hire to set the rules of engagement. And that's what happens here with the Steele dossier. And now those kinds of chickens are coming home to roost, and, and I think it's really incumbent upon uh, you know this profession, a profession I really honor, to now step back and think about why you know first of all let readers know what happened, understand what happened, and you know, decide this is not gonna happen again. We're gonna be setting rules from now on. We're not gonna let people like Fusion GPS, you know, come around and get paid to plant stories uh, with us that we then broadcast or, or, or publish to readers without letting them know that there are people with an agenda behind all of this. I think this, this whole dynamic has to change. And I hope that whatever small or minimal soul searching that goes on now within media organizations as a result of of this episode uh, brings that about. Barry, one more
0: quick question. The FBI says that the Steele dossier played no role in its opening up of its counterintelligence investigations, the Trump campaign, and its possible ties to Russia. Do Do you buy that?
1: Yes, I do believe that. Uh, because the I know I'm trying to keep my date straight, but I believe it was opened up um, independent of of Steele. Don't forget, like the FBI, the Steele reports really didn't get while Steele gave his reports to an FBI agent beginning in July or June of July. August. I don't remember the exact date when he started giving.
0: Yeah, it was July. 5th in, he had a meeting. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. With a single agent yeah. in, in Europe. But then they didn't make their way to like New York until significantly later. Well, that's August my point. Is, that's my point. As yeah. far as
0: we know, as far as we know, I just. Yeah. I
1: mean, so, yeah, it seems like that. You know, I think you, you know, uh, I wrote a, a, my previous book was about Robert Levinson, this this Private investigator who went missing in Iran, and you know he's a for, he was a former FBI agent, and you know one thing I learned, or sort of an impression I formed while working on this book is that you know if you think that the the FBI is some like really high functioning, uh, well oiled machinery with crack agents working for them, or even You know, leaders who are capable of, you know, engaging in very sophisticated conspiracies, um, that probably would be an incorrect (laughs) assumption. They are really quite uninspired, unimaginative, unenergetic and only act when something gets shoved in their face.
0: I mean, even though I mean, you saw the statement from John Durham, I'm sure, after the Michael Horowitz report where where, whereas Horowitz, the DOJ inspector general, said that the FBI's opening of Crossfire Hurricane, the Trump Russia investigation, was properly predicated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Durham disagreed with that. And he said that he's he's gotten information from other sources. Now, he didn't say what that was. So I just right, think it's right. like it returns to what you were saying before. But I, I think I think perhaps, you know. More information will come out that might change our yeah, and
1: I, and I think on that matter, you know that point that may be simply a difference of opinion you know it's like you're my, us looking at the same color or what we think is the, you know looking at a color, and I'm saying, well, you know it's kind of like this shade of blue, and you're going, no, it's really like this shade of blue. And, you know, when you get into like making a determination about like what is the level of actual probable cause to open investigation, that's a judgment call. You know, it's it's and it's a judgment call where the range you know, that range of judgment might have some flexibility to it. Right. It's not like calling balls and strikes. And so I think. Again, trying to be fair to people that you actually could have two people looking at the same situation, looking at the same facts uh, and coming to different conclusions about it. And that might be a reflection of their particular mindset or their, their particular perspective, as opposed to one or the other of them having an underlying motive for making that decision.
0: All right, well, to be continued, I hope to be able to speak to you when John Durham comes out with his report. <laughs> Barry Meyer, veteran Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, formerly with the New York Times. His latest book, Spooked, The Trump Dossier, Black Cube, and The Rise of Private Spies. Barry, thanks very much.
1: It was, it was a lot of fun, Aaron, thank you.